Hello, this is Darren Pulsifer, Chief Solution Architect of Public Sector at Intel. And welcome to Embracing Digital Transformation, where we investigate effective change leveraging people, process, and technology. On today's episode, Zero Trust Applications with Confidential Computing with Special Guest Patrick Conti, Regional Director of Americas for Fortanix. Patrick, welcome to the show. Thanks, Darren. Really uh, glad to be here with you. Uh, you and I are old friends, as both you and I know, but probably all of your your uh, podcast uh, audience doesn't. We've known each other for about uh, seven years and have done yeah, I know. A lot I can't interesting- believe it's been that long. It's been that long and uh, lots of interesting things in the data center space. Yeah. I mean, we first did work together creating... Um, you were working for another company, High Trust, I think, at the time. High Trust, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we worked on something uh, for IBM Cloud, uh, the yeah. first secure virtualization um, stuff. It was super cool. Oh, we did such good work. Pat ourselves on the back. It was awesome. <laughs> but, hey, Patrick, besides that, tell my audience a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure, sure, thanks. Uh, so I'm, I've been with... Um, uh, Fortanix for most of the last four years. Uh, I did have a little mini uh, professional vacation uh, for about 18 months uh, in between my first time at Fortanix and now uh, when I was leading a company that was in the AI space that was doing application optimization in uh, the Kubernetes uh, in the Kubernetes arena. Uh, pretty interesting stuff. Co- company eventually uh, got bought by Cisco by the uh, AppDynamics division. And the day after that deal closed, I walked right back into my old bedroom uh, at the uh, at the old Fortanix uh, home. Uh, so uh, I, I couldn't wait to get back to cybersecurity and, and get back here. Um, this is uh, Dar- Darren, as you know, I've been in a startup land for a long time. This is actually my ninth startup company, and I've exited four of those. I think four or five of them have been Intel Capital companies. So I've been in and around the uh, the Intel orbit. Uh, professionally for quite some time. And uh, most of the last four years, I've been running global business development, which meant I was responsible for all of our confidential computing engagements, as well as working very closely with Intel on, you know, Intel SGX technology and some of the other, um, you know, TDX now and some of the other uh, groundbreaking technologies you guys have come out with in confidential computing. Well, so we're cousins. Uh, not brother, uh, not athlete. brothers. We're cousins. Uh, yeah, but it's uh, first cousins, probably. <laughs> first cousins. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that that's pretty awesome. That and why did you come back to security? Because AI is all the rage. So yeah, why well, come that, back to security? Well, so um, security and AI are, um, are are clearly crossing over. And you know, when I left the company to go do this AI startup, um, one of the reasons why I went to um, uh, the company is called Opsani. The reason I went to Opsani was they were really focused on a multi-cloud approach. And I knew that customers were aiming for multi-cloud, that they wanted to get away from having a single cloud vendor that they were beholden to. Uh, I knew that there were companies that were mixing uh, on-premises, um, private cloud, and multiple public clouds in their, their application spaces. And I wanted to understand better how AI was going to intersect there. Um, so, um, uh, I came back to uh, Fortanix because I, I really didn't feel like the the mission had been accomplished, right? The mission of uh, delivering um, uh, really a data security and data privacy uh, in the modern era. Uh, and especially, uh, especially as I came back, much more so around how AI needed to be secured. 
Uh, and um, yeah, I think that that that'll end up weaving its way right into a discussion around zero trust. Uh, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about Fortanix and and confidential computing, because really what you guys have done is you guys are making confidential computing accessible, usable, um, manageable. Is that is did I hit it kind of? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you hit it. You hit the nail on the head. Um, so the um, the 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 genesis of the company really was um, the catalyst for the company getting started was uh, Intel's bringing out uh, software guard extensions or SGX as uh, the marketplace knows it. And the reason why this was um, a critical uh, critical point in the company's evolution was the founders were looking for a way to disaggregate security from the underlay and um, even though uh, SGX provides a hardware root of trust, um, the uh, the promise of SGX was if you had a workload that was running on an SGX enabled server, you could move that workload to any other server in the cloud or on premises that was running SGX anywhere in the world. And as long as you could then connect to the chip and have attestation, you could run that workload anywhere in the world on, 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 any, uh, on any cloud environment, as long as that SGX server was there and was available. And so that um, and so uh, SGX with the combination of the hardware root of trust and the portability between clouds enabled the team to start to build out security that would follow the workload, right? That's what they ultimately wanted to do was be able to um, uh, attribute security policy and privacy, data privacy policy to the workload itself, no matter where that workload ended up and maybe even as importantly in whatever state that workload was in. And, you know, when we say state, we mean like, like a state of matters, either solid, liquid, gas, the state of data is either on, is either um, uh, uh, at rest in motion or in use. Right. And that was the other thing that SGX provided besides portability of the security around the workload was to protect the data while it, while it uh, is in use. Uh, so that then allowed for a strategy of being able to protect the data across all three parts of its life cycle, as well as wherever it w it might end up in the in the world and on any cloud. Okay, I'm going to pick this apart a little bit because you said something really cool that I don't think people will catch unless we kind of delve into it a little bit more. When we talk about zero trust, yeah, uh, with the application space, it's all about trusting no one, verifying all the time, right? And yeah. what, what we've done in the past is our security didn't follow the application around, right? I would have to have, if I moved it between clouds, I would have to have different security profiles for the different clouds to handle those applications. So That's what right. the first thing you said I thought was fascinating, which is I can establish a, a security profile for an application mm -hmm. and it can live with that application now. Yes. In by using SGX. So you guys have you guys have built the a way of doing that. So I can attach security directly to an application regardless of where it's running. It, did I hear that right? You heard it exactly right. And and really the way we um the way we achieve that is by utilizing the two key parts of uh confidential computing, which is a thing, right? A confidential computing isn't just a couple of words strung together. It's a real thing. It has a, a an industry body called the Confidential Computing Consortium that both Intel and Fortanix are, are uh, a charter members of, uh, and which establishes a policy around what is and isn't confidential computing. And confidential computing really does require uh, the memory encryption capabilities that, uh, that SGX enable. But the two most important things about confidential computing, I know that you know this, but all of, all of your, um, 
your podcast audience may not, is uh, the two most important things about confidential computing are isolation, meaning you've got to isolate the, um, the, the, the workload from the untrusted infrastructure. And that means the network, the cloud, the operating system, virtualization, and all that layer cake of stuff that sit below the, the application space in any server, you have to isolate the workload up in that memory in a, you know, what we would think of as a, an encrypted box, right? That's encrypted on all six sides and you want to put the workload and the application in that box. And once you do, then that box looks like a solid cube of encrypted bits to any bad guys and they can't really do anything with it, right? But remember that, that it's isolated. The second thing that's important besides isolation is attestation, because you have to know that the user uh, is the right user and authorized. You have to know where the workload is, uh, uh, where it is in the world, that it has the right uh, software pieces, the right SGX and all of those things. You have to know that uh, you, have to, you have multiple levels of attestation uh, between the user, the workload, the, the, uh, the cloud, uh, the server, when everything lines up, then that workload can execute and it can execute completely securely. And so, so, so those two things, you know, you said um, a few minutes ago about making confidential computing accessible. What we did was we built control planes that allow customers to uh, manage their security and also allow them to orchestrate applications and, and, and manage workflows and things like that. Uh, so that, um, so they can achieve zero trust uh, for their data and also zero trust for their applications. Mm. So I find this really interesting because in in you just mentioned some of the key principles of zero trust without calling it zero trust. Right. The attestation right. meaning I can identify who is who I'm running on. So I can mm -hmm. identify the device I'm running on, I can identify who's accessing me. That attestation part is critical. And then the isolation. I really like this as well because this really plays well into the whole concept that we hear about micro segmentation, but I'm not doing it just on the network. What you said was I can do it in the CPU itself. So I can carve out a section of my CPU and memory yes. that only people inside that micro segmentation or that enclave, we call yeah. them secure enclaves, inside that secure enclave, only those things inside that secure enclave can access that data the memory, right? That's right. Now, yep. without this stuff, can someone get access to my memory? Let's say I'm running my application out on the on one of the cloud service providers. Sure. Is it not secure already there? I mean, the memory, well, if everything else I've, I've encrypted in transit in um, at rest, why right, do right. I need to, why do I need to encrypt it in memory? It, I mean, yeah. who's going to access it? This is a great, this, this is the question actually, right? Is, am I secure enough? And so without memory encryption, without confidential computing, the way that customers have tried to achieve security for those workloads that have to be decrypted and run in the clear, because that's the only way you're going to be able to manage encrypted data. You have to decrypt it and run it in the clear, right? If you want to, if you want to apply code to it, to manipulate it, i.e. an application, you have to decrypt it. Well, so think about that server is in the middle of a bunch of uh, concentric circles. Let's call those circles like they're like moats, right? And those moats okay. are zero trust architecture. So you've got the identity and access management moat. You've got the network 
moat, which could include north northwest or north south firewalls and east west firewalls for micro segmentation, uh, and that and it includes um, end endpoint uh, protection, endpoint security, right? So those three moats are the typical zero trust architecture. Well, you know what we've done, what you guys with SGX. Uh, and now TDX and other technologies. And what we've done with our control plane technologies and actually uh, um, uh, microprocess technologies that run on the workload to allow you to open up that enclave. Um, with those uh, technologies, what we've done is we've created zero trust for data. So all those other areas are really important. So now, you know, going back to your question about, um, you know, uh, have customers felt like they were safe enough with, the, with their application, their data in the clear, but with the moats of zero trust around them. Well, the fact of the matter is they didn't have any choice because that's all they had, right? If they, right, uh, right. But, but with confidential computing, now they're able to add this memory encryption technology so that those applications and that data are, in, are encrypted in another place. And so bad guys can't use things like memory scrapes or man in the middle attacks or... Um, you know, using social engineering to gain root password to the server, because all of those things are isolated away with confidential computing. So what you what you just told me, I want to make sure I understand this. You just told me, even if I have root access and I do a mem dump, I can't see, all, all I see is garbly gunk in, in the secure enclave. That's right. So it's a That's black right. box. It's so this is interesting because to me, oh yeah, go ahead. if you were, even if you were to take that server out of that data center and x-ray the chip, all you would get would be that gobbledygook. That's it. That's, that's truly amazing. So what this tells me, though, I, I almost want to coin a new, a new term. Maybe we'll make a T-shirt out of it. Absolute, <laughs> it. Zero, absolute zero trust. I love that. That's actually great. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, we coined it right here. You can buy the shirt. Go, go to our, I love it. I go to our website. You're, you're going to find uh, the shirts on our website, embracingdigital.org. That's right. Who we'll knows? call that merch. That's our merch. Merch, our merch. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is really cool because now here's here's my other big question then. Yes. What what is the cost? Because there, anytime someone says, "Hey, encrypt everything," there's cost yeah. involved. I'm not talking sure. monetary costs. I'm, I'm talking time. We at yeah. Intel have put a lot of encryption in the CPU itself now. So the overhead for encryption on data transit or at rest is minimal, less than 1%, less mm. than one-tenth of 1% in most cases. Sure. What about, though, in use? Is there a, is there a hit in performance? And yeah. what is the trade-off that I'm dealing with here? That's that's probably question number two. Question number one was the zero trust one. Question number two is what's my you know what penalty do I pay if I pay one? And and obviously encrypting anything and working with encrypted data forces some level of compromise, right? But here's the good news: you guys have worked really hard over the last seven years to improve the um, uh, to improve the 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 overhead to to lessen the overhead for um, uh, you know for applications. And data that are uh, that are running in in uh, trust execution environments or in enclaves. And I will I will you know go so far as to say, uh, Fortanix has been an active partner with you. I mean, we're probably your oldest oh, yeah, absolutely computing partner. And you guys ask us for help on 
on uh, performance profiling of new silicon and uh, you know on side channel attacks and other things that we have a lot of expertise in in this particular area together and i would say you know uh, certainly you guys at the at the at the absolute chip and hardware level and us in terms of you know maybe helping with some of the profiling and other things and at the software level have gotten that uh, overhead from let's say 30% was not unusual in 2017 2018 down to a very comfortable single digits, maybe six, seven, eight percent max right now, and most of the time in the in the low single digits. So that's that's the penalty uh, that you're gonna that you're gonna you know be be willing to pay for uh, for absolute zero trust. Okay, so that's interesting because not everything I do needs to be at that absolute zero trust. Correct. Correct. Okay, so this is a trade off I have to look at. Um, if someone's processing, let's say, nuclear code algorithms, I want those at absolute zero trust. Yeah. Well, right? the expense of the expense of the code, uh, which in an which in, in in an AI environment is quite often some type of complex analytics, could be machine learning. Uh, you know, these algorithms are expensive. You know, they 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 cost genomics companies millions of dollars to develop, and maybe to maybe to have one particular. Um, uh, function to to look for rare diseases or something like that, right? In, in right, right. Different workloads, right? Those things are expensive, and if you're running them in the clear, and the bad guys get through the three moats, then they could memory scrape you, and then that could, you know, that you're gonna have they, you they can get your algorithm. Then. Yeah, they get your algorithm as well, right? So, uh, or they could inject bad code, uh, which would give spurious results and. Yeah, would uh, would destroy your experiment and, and these things. You know, in, in medical, but also in government, uh, in intelligence environments, uh, in financial services environments. These are all areas where the formula is critically important and expensive. Okay, let's let's talk about what Fortanix brings to the table. I already mentioned Fortanix yeah. brings to the table ease of use. Some of this technology that we talk about, SGX, kind of right out of the box, a little bit difficult to use. It requires rewriting code. It requires a whole bunch of other things. Yeah. You guys have done something unique in this space. You've made it easy for someone to consume. Does it require a programmer to use, you know, secure enclaves? What, what does Fortanix actually bring to the table to make it easy to use? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, so I, I'm going to, I, mean, I am going to uphold your point about there being guardrails um, and which okay. things, th things that we and you have found out over the course of time that SGX, because it's a bare metal technology, it's not virtualized. Um, you know, you're writing right to the metal, which means it's very, very secure because it's really hard to, to hack the chip. Right. The, the, the flip side of it is it's not nearly as flexible as a software based solution where you can drop something into a into a VM. So, so therefore, there are guardrails, right? And, and we've discovered these over time, and we and you have advised lots of customers. What we've tried to do to make it easy um, to get applications and data into the Enclave uh, is develop um, a secure uh, SDK, Secure Software Development Kit, uh, that um, uh, we call Enclave Development Platform, EDP. It's open sourced. Uh, it's based on the Rust uh, programming language, very, very secure programming language. It's um, one of, if not the most secure SDKs in the world. And our competitors use it since it's open source. You know, we use it. We used it to build what we call data security manager, which is our, 
our data security and data privacy platform for encryption and HSM functions and all of those kinds of uh, you know uh, data security uh, requirements. Um, but um, but SD but our SDK uh, Enclave development platform can be used by anybody. Uh, and so a lot of a lot of our customers write applications in it. Um, do you have to be a programmer? Well, it probably helps to be a Rust programmer to use uh, to use the um, uh, the EDP. Um, that said, uh, we also have developed quite a bit of tooling for confidential computing as it relates to applications that are housed in a in a in a, a control plane that we call confidential computing manager. The confidential computing manager uh, runs on SGX. It's a, it, it, it is itself a zero trust platform um, that has a lot of uh, capabilities around it, like uh, quorum approval requirements, uh, very strong role-based access control. So it, it's all, it also assumes uh, you know, a, a lack of trustworthiness uh, among users and, and environments. But confidential computing manager, Darren, has tooling in it, like um, something we call App Analyzer, which allows us to take the logs from anybody's code uh, and analyze them to see if that code would be able to go into an enclave without modification. And then if it is, we have another piece of tooling we call App Converter that wraps the application so they can go into an enclave without having to make any modifications to it. The other okay, thing that, so um, that analyze, sorry, the other thing that analyzer does is it tells you if your application, for example, may not go directly in. And it requires maybe rewriting of some of the code with Python or something else that's um, that's enclave uh, friendly. Sorry, uh, uh, didn't mean. Oh, that. okay. So, so this is this is really important to me because I don't want to rewrite all my applications. Yeah. So what you're telling me is I can take an application, analyze it. Yes, it can run in a secure enclave. Then I wrap it drop it in a container and boom, I'm off to the races. That's what I just heard. Is that, so how much time does that take me to, does it take days to analyze my application? Hours can, if, if my boss came to me today and said, Darren, you really need to run that in a secure enclave. Yeah. Can I say I can have that done by tomorrow or is this like a week long type of thing? No, usually by the, usually by the next day. I mean, it's, it's, it's hours. Uh, depends on the size of the logs and how many we have to we have to run right. through. Right, and and whether my application can do it or not. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's it's an hours it's an hours long thing. Usually, you know, we'll tell people by the next day whether or not they have um, they have issues with their uh, their app, uh, and we probably can tell them what those issues are. Right, for example, as you know, I, as I know you know, um, Java middleware uh, doesn't and 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 SGX don't like each other that much. Uh, it's not that it can't run, but it's that. Um, it's that uh, the startup time for any application that uses Java is very, very long. And so any kind of real-time services, it's almost, um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a significant trade-off. It doesn't make the actual running go slower, uh, but what happens is, is that that startup time takes quite a bit of time. So we've had a lot of customers come to us and say, here's our app, and we've, we, we've analyzed it and said, you could rewrite this portion of the app in, in Python. Uh, here's some Here's some scripting and... And then you'll be good to go. We'll drop it in, and and uh, and, and we're good to go. And so we try to right. also make that as painless as possible. No, that no, that's that's highly beneficial. Okay, you. So this this gives me some hope, especially on the application side. And I like how you've tied application zero trust application pillar with the identity pillar, because right. you've got access control and all that stuff. How how where can this run? We we I know we can run on Intel chips, blah blah blah. But can I run this? We mentioned it running in multiple clouds. 
Is it available? Is this technology available just in my own data center on, on laptops? Is it, where can I run this stuff? Well, so there are two different brands of confidential computing. There's confidential computing for data and there's confidential computing for applications, right? Okay. So confidential computing for data is represented by our platform that we call data security manager, which runs on Intel SGX. And it replaces all of the traditional or legacy crypto functions like eight, like hardware security module. You don't need a specialized crypto chip anymore because we actually use the Enclave. We use SGX to replace that specialized crypto chip, which means it's in software now. So we can do all kinds of cool stuff with it, like add uh, encryption of data at rest and in motion. We can do global key management in the hundreds of millions of keys uh, from one single console. We can do database encryption. Uh, we can do um, uh, we can manage keys for PKI and certificates, um, you know, uh, secrets management for the container space. All of these types of crypto uh, post quantum crypto. All of these things are supported in data security manager today. So that's the one side of the house. And that run data security manager runs um, it runs uh, on Intel SGX. So it either runs on in an appliance that we've built that we've gotten hardened and tamper-proofed with uh, FIPS 140-2 level three certification, which is going to level to uh, FIPS 140-3 level three. So we're, that's in motion right now. Uh, we use that appliance uh, for on-premises environments, which are still about so about 50% of our customers are, are, are on-premises, but it's rapidly moving to cloud. And um, the other 50% can uh, consume us as a software download that runs on SGX in any cloud that where SGX is present, which could be a, you know, it could be a, 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 a cloud vendor uh, besides the hyperscalers, or it could be, uh, it could be Microsoft Azure, uh, which offers uh, confidential computing based on SGX around the world. Uh, it could be uh, IBM Cloud. It could be a number of other uh, cloud players that offer SGX. So we can run as a software download on any of those. And then the third uh, instantiation is as a SaaS service that's available out of uh, 17 data centers around the world, uh, you know, in, in all geographies, uh, in fact. And, uh, and, and in those data centers, we run them, we manage them, uh, and uh, it's on a global fabric. Uh, these uh, all these uh, these data centers, we consume our own physical appliances in those data centers. So the surface itself is actually FIPS 140-2 level three certified. So you can get oh, a cool. full cert uh, HSM backed uh, service for any of those crypto functions I mentioned anywhere in the world using our SaaS service. The workloads can run anywhere. They can be in your private cloud. They can be on premises. They can be in any of the any of the uh, of the second tier or or hyperscaler clouds, and we can encrypt them and manage those encrypted entities from uh, from uh, from that one console uh, and in uh, being uh, consumed in any way that the customer wants to consume us. So that's that right, that's so that's confidential computing for data. For data, right? What about confidential computing for applications? For applications. So that's where we use confidential computing manager, which also runs as a SaaS service and also runs on top of SGX. So it is itself like data security manager is a zero trust service. And that, uh, and, um, uh, and again, from a single console, you can manage your 
uh, encrypted workloads running in an SGX environment. You can create workflows so that you can manage machine learning or let's say a distributed application where you needed more, where you needed multiple enclaves to, to each one house a different part of the application that all need to be strung together. All that communication is managed by that control plane. And uh, here's the interesting thing, uh, Darren, um, the workloads, the, the, um, the application, uh, the confidential computing for application workloads can execute anywhere in the world where there's an SGX uh, environment. On-premises, if someone buys their own servers in a private cloud, in any public cloud where there's SGX, they can, they can, open, up, uh, they can open up workloads and uh, confidential computing manager will help them orchestrate the application. So that's pretty cool. What you're saying is I can move my applications around. Yes. Like on-prem, private cloud, public cloud. I can move those applications around and the security context goes with them. And I can, so th this is pretty cool for managing these confidential computing enclaves that I have out there. Yes. I, I, it's, it's highly valuable. Well, I hope our customers see that. I think they do. I mean, we've got some really interesting customers doing very interesting things on uh, on on uh, confidential computing uh, in different environments. Uh, for example, um, some that uh, you know uh, you know of, uh, such as the Centers for Disease Control uh, utilizes yep. confidential computing both for data and for applications. Um, we have a, we have a, a, a shared customer as well in a company that spun out of. University of California, San Francisco Medicine, UCSF Medicine, called Beekeeper, Beekeeper AI, and uh, their solution, um, uh, you know, has helped quite a few uh, companies in in the healthcare space that need to protect their healthcare uh, AI algorithms and uh, be able to move those algorithms to different uh, workloads, uh, different data sets in in different places because those workloads. Um, by um, by compliance, we're not allowed to touch each other. So they, in fact, were, they in fact move the the workloads around, and all of that's done with um, a, co a confidential computing manager workflows and uh, and some of the other things that we've done. We've got a number of other customers, but those are a couple of of good uh, marquee are, ones. That's great. Hey, Patrick, this has been wonderful. Um, it, it, you really helped address a problem that that we have in zero trust, which is the application. A side of things and also a data, right? Application right. and data. You really handle those two pillars really, really well. Thanks um, for explaining the, the concept and how we can protect our data even more. Um, we, we need to have you come back on the show so we can just go over like some really cool use cases because we haven't even touched the cool things we can do with confidential computing, like uh, distributed collaborative analytics in, yeah. in secure enclaves, which we, you know, I help architect some of that stuff with you guys. Sure. Uh, really fun stuff. But um, we're out of time. Love to do it That's again. Any, anytime, Darren, you know, you can just ask me and I'll be be happy to come on and love to talk to your uh, your uh, your audience again at any time. Thank you for listening to Embracing Digital Transformation today. If you enjoyed our podcast, give it five stars on your favorite podcasting site or YouTube channel. You can find out more information about Embracing Digital Transformation at Embracing Digital Dot org. Until next time, go out and do something wonderful.